Welcome to the Gold Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features Nick Snoke. So the Lord's been stirring a few things on my heart that I was grateful for the opportunity to uh, share this evening. I heard a saying recently and it said, normal is not coming back, but Jesus is. (laughs) Praise God, that ought to be a t-shirt, or maybe it already is. But, um, you know, so much has taken place since we were last together. And I think um, uh, Brother Daryl spoke about it this morning, that when he has patients come in, they would say, what's going on with the world? It is just out of control, and we've seen this constant decline. Monday morning, when prophecy started moving in our midst, uh, I believe Brother Brian shared a prophecy, and, and in it, the Lord spoke, and he said, the demise of humanity. And that really stuck with me when I heard that Monday morning. And um, I'd like to... Open up our Bibles. Um, I I do want to say thanks to Dave. You went to Genesis 11 and my heart stopped for a minute. But fortunately, you went to the back half of it. So we were okay. Uh, So we're going to start at Genesis 11, the first chapter. This is the story of the Tower of Babel. And we know this. uh, We're all familiar with the story. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, the NLT. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. So the the story of the Tower of Babel happens shortly right after Noah. And God has just uh, rid the world of everybody except for those who were within the ark. And now population is starting to come back. And immediately man comes up with a way to serve itself through knowledge. So God has just delivered him. We got the, the rainbow, which was God's promise uh, after the flood. And man gathers together and they're starting to get smart and they come up with an idea to build a tower into heaven. And as they do this, they start to work together and they're making bricks and they're making mortar and they're going about their own business with their using their knowledge, their ambitions to build some complex systems. Now, does that sound familiar at all? <clears throat> we see this today, don't we? Uh, over the last couple of years, we see how smart man is, or maybe man isn't. But we live in a society that we are in this world. We're not of this world, but we do live in this world. So we are influenced by this world. And we all recognize this. And over the last few years, we have seen man's knowledge build up different systems. And I'm not just talking the pandemic that we got through, but this is present everywhere. And we see man's ambitions, which are not always God's ambitions. And quite frankly, if you're reading the news today, they're hardly ever God's ambitions, right? 
But this is the world that we're in. And it's important to recognize this. And sometimes when, when you talk to people and they, they tell you, oh, the world's just terrible. Oh, it's just going downhill. And my first instinct is to say, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think you could disagree. And then they say something like this. Well, I'm so sorry for the kids who have to take on this world, the next generation. And if you didn't know the Lord, I guess that would be true. But then I think... Every one of the young people, every one of the young, young children here, and even us that are a little bit older than young people, God knew we were going to be here today. And so my children and my grandchildren someday, they were created and God put them on earth on this day, knowing exactly what the world was going to be doing. And so if I believe that, then I know that the Lord has a tremendous ministry for them to live in such dark, challenging days. And so next time I hear that, I feel bad for the next generation. I don't know how much time I'll get to preach to them, but I might share my thoughts there. Because I think that's tremendous. You think about the stories of Joshua, and I think our children in this next generation, in, in, in a lot of ways, they're somewhat like that. They're going to make a tremendous difference in a very dark world. And so we ought to continue to lift up our our young people uh, as the world that they inherit is a troubling world. And while I'm in this neighborhood, um, I would also say to encourage us all to continue to pray for the brethren. Um, These are dark times. And the issues that the brethren have to deal with today um, are probably issues that a church hasn't had to deal with since the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so, you know, my heart goes out to them, and I know that they have to make a lot of challenging decisions and are faced with a lot of big challenges that are unique to 2022. Uh, So we want to continue to remember them and all who are in uh, a place of leadership that the Lord's put in there. But we know that the world doesn't create peace. And as we have seen this world, as, as it was prophesied, the demise of humanity, um, we want to remember that when Jesus comes back, things aren't going well. And so as we see these things uh, in the Bible, it calls it birthing pains before a child is born. You know, um, politics. Don't do it. <laughs> Uh, you know, a, a word or two about politics that are uh, really in our face today. I think that uh, there is a monster that is the media, and we already talked about their access to us uh, all the time in the way of a phone, where we see the news and we see the headlines and we get the alerts and the nonstop. And today the world is becoming more and more polarized. And this, uh, this polarization of the world It is not good for any of us unless you are selling a product in the media where you want more clicks and you want people to get angry so they watch you more. The kingdom of heaven is not built on man's politics. And, you know, when we think about Jesus, when he lived and walked the earth in Jerusalem, Jerusalem was occupied by a foreign country in Rome. And so the Jewish people had to get Roman permission to do things in their own country. And yet many, many times they would try to trick Jesus into a political conversation and he would never take the bait. 
And I think as believers, and um, I can't remember who said it. I think Brother Mike might have said, when you point to somebody, you got three fingers pointing back. So I'm pointing at myself this morning, not anybody, or this evening, not anybody out here. But I think as believers, we sometimes fall, and we allow politics to divide us some, and we shouldn't allow that to happen. If Jesus were walking the earth today, and he was on the ballot in North America, he would be 100% unelectable. Right? And that's our candidate. So any other candidate, I would just caution us from getting too involved in tying our identity up with any other candidate or political party. Um, I certainly have my thoughts, but I think if that's the truth, if Jesus would be unelectable uh, just because of his... Uh, his platform, if you will, in today's society, that's our candidate. And anybody short of that uh, misses the mark tremendously, and I don't want to identify myself with them. And I pray that uh, that we can kind of move past some of that, because I know the pandemic has sucked some of us into that from time to time. So, uh, Because we want unity. We want God's kingdom. We don't want man's kingdom. Politics are bad people making bad decisions, passing bad bills with bad, re- bad reactions. And at the end of the day, it's only speeding up Jesus' return because the world is going to be upside down just like it is now when he comes back. And that's what we're looking for and nothing here on earth. I'll move past that side story now. Now, if we could turn in Isaiah, the fifth chapter, the 20th verse, get them out of the NLT. What sorrows for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. You know, we used to hear that scripture years ago and wonder what that meant. It's the opposites game somebody told us to play the other day. And I used to wonder how evil could be seen as good. I mean, you're taught what right is when you're young. You're taught what wrong is when you're young. And if you cross that line, your mom's quick to correct you. Um, But today, we see this all over in our society. And if we're in this world, we're impacted by it. And while we disagree with those things that are evil, sometimes our response can be very poor as well. And it can drag us down to where, you know, we also are led into sin. Maybe it's for the right reasons, but wrong is wrong. And when we see these things, we want to talk about it. And, and that's natural. And, and, you know, some conversation is fine. But at the end of the day, outside of reading the word and seeking God and having a wholesome conversation, my opinion just isn't that important. <laughs> So it just really doesn't need to be shared. But I think about a society where we celebrate wickedness today. And it's really confusing and it's really challenging. And kind of like in the Tower of Babel, man makes up arguments with its intellect that that is so well crafted because it's breathed on by the, the devil himself that sometimes you get confused. And when you visit with somebody and they ask you very well, well-rehearsed questions, you even struggle to come up with the right answer. And sometimes if you get baited into those, you're, you're speaking as a Christian, you're speaking of truth, but they twist you around and twist you around to finally you get so angry, you want to kick somebody, right? 
And this is a confusing time. And this is a challenging time. And this is a time where we need to be focused on what true north is and, and where we have to have our hearts in tune with what the Lord has for us. One thing. And then as we deal with all this, then the enemy crafts a way to put you all at home for two years and to separate us. And we have to deal with pestilence, with the pandemic. And so not only is right now wrong and wrong now right, and good is evil and evil is now good, and we need our brothers and our sisters to stand together to hold us up to support us in this very challenging time, but now we have to go home and and stay home and not get a meet for two years at camp. And it's a real challenge. I know uh, talking to other people, uh, most have shared a similar thought. I was just so dry. I just missed everyone. And, and while everybody was at home, the world got a lot worse. And now we're isolated. And that's another trick the enemy uses. The enemy wants to isolate us. He wants you to feel like you are the only person that is struggling with whatever issue you're struggling with. He does not want you to feel the support of the body of Christ. We know this. And there are things that we've done during this this time, and we did the, the Zoom thing and other things, and we did the best we could with the tools that we had. But I do think, and Brother Brian and I were speaking about this at dinner this evening, as painful as it was, God still worked in us, and as a body of Christ, we matured and we grew. And one thing that the last couple of years has really taught me is um, I can't be an easy Christian. You know, there's the, the saying, the Sunday Christian or the Easter and Christmas Christian. You know, the guy that goes to church twice a year. You know, maybe 10 years ago, you could be a Christian without all your focus there and believe in the Lord and follow him and come to camp and have a great time and then go home and kind of have one foot on both sides of the fence. And it probably worked. It, but today, it doesn't work. If we're talking about polarity, polarization... We have an enemy here. We have our Savior here. We can't be in the middle. We're far too vulnerable. And with the way that the world is going and all of the outside influences, you are easy prey if you're hung out there in the middle somewhere. We must have our hearts focus on the Lord. We must have our noses in the Bible. We must be spending time in prayer. We must be walking with Jesus. But even when we do all those things, as humans, as man, we're not strong enough. If you had the ability to save yourself, Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die on a cross. The Lord knows we're human. He sees every one of us here tonight. And he recognizes the gifts and the ministry. And he loves us so much that he he died on a cross for us. And he also knows that we can't do it on our own. And, and he gives us the body of Christ. Praise God for that. Holds us up. We heard uh, our brother talk about all the prayers the other day that lifted him up to heaven and how he felt the strength. We have that. But we need even more. We're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit this evening. I'm going to do my best to share a little bit about it. It is a tremendous 
subject, the Holy Spirit is so great. Uh, there's no way I could ever possibly do it justice or adequately describe it. Uh, but with the help from the Holy Spirit, I pray that uh, he would speak to us this evening. Um, later at the end of the service, uh, Lord willing, there'll be an opportunity to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, I'll say that now. So uh, if you start to feel really uncomfortable in your seat, uh, just start praying to the Lord and just let him work in you and seek him uh, while we go through a few scriptures and see what the Lord uh, may want to do and have in store for you tonight. Uh, what is the Holy Spirit? Uh, I'm not smart enough to answer that question. But we'll read a few scriptures uh, and talk about it together. Uh, John, the 14th chapter, the 16th verse. And I will ask the Father. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside of you. Um, Brother Mike Greif is so good at encouraging and send in text messages periodically. And um, so many times it's just what the Lord needed to give you. I see a bunch of people smiling, which means he's not only sending them to me. <laughs> so that that's wonderful. And that's part of one of his gifts I have. And so I'm just going to read the, the note because I think it sums up what Jesus is saying as far as a good description of the Holy Spirit really well. It says, the Greek word used here is... Parakletos, a technical word that could be translated defense attorney. It means one called to stand next to you as a helper. Various translations have rendered this counselor, comforter, advocate, encourager, intercessor, or helper. However, none of these words alone are adequate and fall short in explaining the full meaning. This translation has chosen the word Savior for it depicts the role of the Holy Spirit to protect, defend, and save us from ourself and our enemies and keep us whole and healed. He is the one who guides, defends, comforts, and counsels. Keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ our Savior. The Aramaic word is parakleta which is taken from two root words. Parak is to end, finish, or to save. And leta, which means the curse. So what a beautiful word picture. The Holy Spirit comes to end the work of the curse of sin in our lives and to save us from its every effect. Praise God. Parakleta means... A redeemer who ends the curse. Isn't that what we need tonight? While we're still in, um, let's see, while we're still in uh, John, 
Let's uh, forward just a little bit further down in the the 16th chapter, the 5th verse. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples once again. He says, uh, I'm in the NLT now. He says, but now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. This is Jesus saying, it's best that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can come upon you. Praise God. This power that we have to have in our lives to survive in a world that has gone crazy. This strength that the Lord gives us that is not of ourselves, that allows us to stand up in a time when evil is celebrated and good has lots of names for it. The power that orchestrates every service at Pine Low in 2022. He stitched everyone together perfectly. He's spoken to all of us. He started to put these dry bones back together through the Holy Spirit. So that's a, that's a few scriptures on what the Holy Spirit is. Um, now I'd like to share a little bit on what the Holy Spirit does. Uh, I'm still in the NLT. If you'll turn in your books um, to Matthew, the 26th chapter, and we'll pick up around the 69th verse. Peter is uh, one of Jesus' disciples. Now, unlike us, Peter had an opportunity to walk the earth with Jesus. He got to see the miracles firsthand. He got to eat with Jesus. He got to talk with Jesus. He shared the Last Supper with Jesus. I mean, you think all of the wonderful things that Peter experienced with Jesus firsthand. We felt Jesus, but I haven't been able to sit down and have dinner with him and carry on a conversation. Peter did. And Peter tells Jesus, I would never, ever deny you. Because he's so sure of himself. He's, he's using his own strength. Sometimes the own strength that we rely on, right? I won't do it. I know I won't. I'm strong. I got self-control. I won't fall into that trap. I'm not going to have that conversation. I'm going to avoid that. <clears throat> Peter is strong. He's been with Jesus. Matthew 26, 69th verse. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in a courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. This is a man who was just with Jesus a couple hours ago. And told Jesus, I'd never betray you. And he meant it when he said it. 
He wasn't lying. He meant it. And when Jesus told them that you're going to betray me three times to the rooster crows, I don't think Jesus was trying to hurt Peter's spirit. I don't think he was trying to insult him. I think Jesus was making a reference that no man is strong enough on his own. I think he was making the reference that even though you know me, and even though we're friends, and even though we've walked this world together, we've had all these experiences, and you've seen all these firsthand accounts of my miracles, you're still human. And you don't have that strength. You don't have the strength that Jesus had. And so he told me he's going to betray him. And I also think it's, it's, it's interesting that Peter betrayed Jesus to a servant girl. Now, back in these times, a caste system was very much alive. It still is alive in some parts in the world. And a servant girl was likely a foreigner girl, very low on the caste system. And so I think what, what we're hearing here is what would be viewed as the lowest of lowest, somebody that a man like Peter should be able to stand up to that peer pressure against, that he failed. And not only did he fail, but he ratcheted up. By the last time he said, it says, I swear an oath. I never met the man. The man that he was just with. The man that he swore he would never betray. And there are more ways to betray Jesus than by just saying you don't know him. Our actions can betray Jesus. Our words can betray Jesus. Our attitudes can betray Jesus. And when I think about that, sometimes I feel convicted. And when you think about how bold Peter always was in these accounts um, before this experience with with the servant girl, you know, you just wonder what happened in between. Was it a two year pandemic? I mean, you know, what happened that made Peter so weak all of a sudden? And maybe it was the world changed on Peter. You know, Peter walked with Jesus and he believed Jesus to be the Savior. He, even though Jesus multiple times said he was going to die on a cross and that he would come again three days later, you know, a lot of this, they didn't understand. It says that many times in the gospel that they didn't understand or grasp it. And so Peter probably thought, hey, I know how this story is going to end. I've got the Savior. I've seen him do miracles. Soon he's going to free Jerusalem and the world's going to change. And he was probably pretty comfortable, maybe like we were up until a couple years ago, going to church with Jesus on Sunday or Saturdays and having devotion with him on Wednesday night and constantly walking and talking about Jesus. And then everything changed for Peter. They arrested Jesus. They took him away in chains. And that thing that was good, the light of the world, was taken away. And suddenly it was seen as bad. Not too dissimilar from today. What was good was then seen as bad. So bad that they let a criminal in Barabbas, a savage, go because Jesus had to die. And so maybe all of a sudden Peter's whole world just changed. And now suddenly the thing that he was so confident in, that he had spent many years of his adult life following and seeking, it all got turned upside down and he wasn't able to stand on his own. He couldn't withstand a servant girl. And as much as I'd love to point the finger at Peter for betraying Jesus, uh, I would be, don't throw rocks when you live in a glass house. Right? You heard that saying? That'd be me. Because I've missed opportunities over the last few years. I've felt dry over the last few years. I've used that as an excuse. 
I have felt uh, a real struggle and a loneliness at times because we couldn't meet together. Because it seemed like the whole world that I knew suddenly got turned upside down and shooken. And maybe it wasn't a servant girl. Maybe it was a co-worker. Or maybe it was somebody that cut me off on the highway. I don't know. <clears throat> but I think that we need to recognize we're all human and we're all vulnerable. And if Peter was, you better believe you are. And we better all believe we all are. So the last point I'd like to make, or the next section, if we're having a, a few sections, is what the Holy Spirit does. Um, the second chapter of Acts. Again, I'm out of the NLT. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. They're all together again. Jesus has been crucified. They don't know what to do. They don't know what's happened. Everything that they believed was going to happen didn't happen. It didn't end the way they thought it was going to end. But what are they doing? They're meeting together. Now, while they weren't at Pine Low, but they might have been doing something pretty similar to what we're doing tonight. They were all meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And as the Holy Spirit came, we heard from uh, Brother Daryl this morning as he was talking about different moods of the Holy Spirit. Here is the mood of fire. We read that it, it came down like tongues of fire. And it came down upon the people who were gathered together seeking the Lord. I'm going to fast forward to the 22nd verse here in just a minute. And they start speaking in tongues and everybody says, well, these guys are drunk. Because what else could explain this phenomenon that's never happened before? But clearly something is, is different here. And so in their earthly minds, the only thing they could think of is they must have started drinking. And Peter comes out and obviously he, he uh, tells them they haven't been drinking. The 22nd verse. <clears throat> and this is Peter speaking. This is the same guy. We don't know how long it was from the, the, the day of Pentecost and the day that Jesus was crucified. We, we don't, maybe somebody else does. I don't know that time. But this is the same guy that denied Jesus in front of a servant girl because he was embarrassed and he was ashamed and his world had turned upside down and he was weak and frail. The very same Peter. And now he comes out and he says, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, and I love this part, he says, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. That's bold words for a guy who not very long ago said he didn't even know Jesus to a servant girl. He says, but you nailed him to a cross and you killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grips. 
This is a different Peter. This is not the same Peter. Moving forward to the 36th verse. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter was saying the words the Holy Spirit was speaking. And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. The work of the Holy Spirit changed Peter. And it has changed us. Praise God. And in 2022, in this day and age and time that we've already described, oh, we must have the Holy Spirit. We're not as strong as, I'm not as strong as Peter. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit within me gives us strength. And in this time and in this generation, the Lord has given His Holy Spirit to do His work. And I believe fully He has a tremendous work for the church today. The world needs the church. And the church isn't the church without the Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.